So burden, uh, Pilgrim had a huge burden, the burden that he left the city of destruction on, with on his back and was longing for his burden to be released. And uh, it was released as he saw the cross looming as he was climbing up the, the mountain. Um, we talked a few weeks ago about the, the things that predispose people uh, towards faith. Um, they're feeling disquieted. They're, they're feeling troubled. They're, they're feeling guilty or shameful or whatever it is. And how the, the Holy Spirit has actually come here, sent by Jesus, to trouble us, to, to disturb us, and to get our heads and hearts straight around the person of Jesus and the nature of, of sin and righteousness and, and all of that. And we talked about the, the, the kind of forms of disquiet that we have, the forms of um, what we might before have called the conviction of sin. Um, but the conviction of sin shows up in our experiences in all kinds of different ways. The, the issue is that the world is broken. We broke it. Um, and as I've said many, many times, the, the pieces of the debris fall indiscriminately. So our experience of the fall of our world and the fall of our lives will take different forms. Um, but a word this morning that, that may well kind of describe what we are experiencing is the word burden. So we have, there's a big burden uh, it's it's the burden that is on us because of our responsibility, uh, because of our part in the fall of humankind. But I suspect for many of us, there are also small burdens. They're not small um, when they loom large and powerful into our lives on a weekly basis. They're, they're not the big burden, although they may have some origin in the big burden, but they're the troubles of our lives, right? They're the things that distress us. And when we can reflect on them, do some theological and biblical reflection, we understand some of the cause. We understand that things are broken, and because of that, we have to manage the brokenness. But I think sometimes what happens to us is that we, we have aha experiences in the macro sense, in, in the big story sense, that we come to faith, we come to believe in Jesus, to trust in Jesus, but we don't understand or we don't notice that the way that the small burdens of our lives are dealt with is by the same way that the big burden of our life has been dealt with. They are dealt with through what Christ has done. But many times, I think, as we talked the other week about the fact that we, we try to work ourselves into God's favor or work things out in our lives, similarly, we, uh, we, we find that it may be easy to trust in Jesus to get rid of the big burden of sin. But trusting him for the small burdens that trouble us uh, becomes quite an impossible task. So I want to take you this morning to a really interesting little passage in Matthew, and it's Jesus talking, and I think it's one of the most gentle pastoral things that we hear in the, the life and ministry of Jesus, when he speaks out to everyone who would listen, and he says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden, the burden I give you, is light. We would do well just to stay with that couple of verses, just read them over and over, and hear that it's a message that Jesus, by his Spirit, is beaming through space into our hearts and lives and and minds. When we might, all of us, say, you know what, I think I fit into the category, those who are weary and carry heavy burdens, right? I mean, how many went to say, you know what, there's a heavy burden in my life right now? We all need help with the burdens of our lives. And so this is a couple of verses that I return to, and I think we all return to many, many times, um, hoping that the promise is a true promise and hoping that what is offered to us is something that we can finally experience in our day-to-day lives, our week-to-week lives. So let me just take it apart a little bit. And today we're coming to the Lord's table. So we're going to come to the Lord's table with this in mind, that we have come once, and that we have come to Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. But we come again and again and again to find this verse, or this couple of verses, true in our lives. That what Jesus has done by his death on the cross that gave Pilgrim the great release of his big burden, uh, Jesus now offers on down to us and says, if you're still burdened, if you're still weighed down, uh, the cross is for you. If, If you'll come there, there is still something that is there by the grace of the Lord Jesus. So here's sort of what the the terms of these verses are. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary. And I just, I, I love going to lexicons and, you know, like um, current Greek philosophical writings of the day and all of that and say, when people said this word, what did they mean? Um, what did it mean in the Bible's language? What did it mean in the vernacular of Jesus? What did it mean in philosophical literature? And the word weary means to be exhausted from a beating or hard work or just plain tired out. Have you ever been just tired out? I bet you have. Maybe as a young parent, you've been tired out where you feel like, I can't wait till these kids are adolescents or teenagers. And and then somebody tells you, you know what? These are the good days. And you say, these are the good days? Yeah, because you know where they are at night. You can put them to bed, and you don't know later on where they are at night and all those sorts of things. But sometimes as young parents, you are just bone tired, right? You don't know if you can lift your arm for another task. Or you've got a crazy job with crazy shifts, with crazy expectations, and yet you have other responsibilities, and you feel as though you just can't ever catch up, right? Those are the lives that we live. Those are the terms of our existence. And into that, Jesus speaks. And he, he doesn't not understand. You know, he, he doesn't say, well, I, you know, I lived in a nice, idyllic, pastoral kind of Middle Eastern setting, and it wasn't as hectic as it is for you guys. Jesus knows. I mean, we're promised in the New Testament 
that he has experienced every kind of trial that we have, that, that there's nothing that happens to us that is, is foreign to him. He, he has felt our feelings. And so undoubtedly, he has felt bone tired. And I think we get that picture sometimes, that here he is. And uh, one example is that they're taking a little boat ride. And what does he do when he gets in the boat? Falls dead asleep. How does that happen when you're bone tired, when you're just worn out? And then an interesting thing happens. Crazy storm comes along. And there's, he, he is so tired, he sleeps through the storm. And his disciples say, don't, don't you care that we're perishing here? And it's, it's almost as though he stands up and he yawns. I don't know, you can see him sort of stretching. And then he, kinda, he puts his hands out over the Sea of Galilee and just says, for goodness sake, shh, I need my sleep. And the storm stops. Bone tired, exhausted from a beating. Come to me, all of you who are bone tired, and carry heavy burdens. The way that term is used is about loading something with a burden, with freight. Um, we, we really enjoyed in Vancouver when we lived there going to Stanley Park and to the seawall. And if you go around the seawall and you look across the harbor, there are these huge ocean freighters. And they come into the port to be weighed down, to be loaded, right? And the most fascinating thing is to watch where the water is and where the boat um, finds its its float. So there are sometimes when they're filling them with, you know, like piles and piles of yellow sulfur or containers that you would say, boy, when we looked last at that ship, it was like buoyed way up there. It looked like it was stories high sitting on top of the water. Now, it looks as though it is almost ready to be flooded over by the tide, right? So that's what it means. It means to have so much stuff weighing us down that we're totally freighted. Um, I, I don't know that there's a time in history or in Western society where we have felt as much as we do today this sense of being weighed down. So it's a, it's a couple of terms that are very familiar to us by way of experience. When we say, I am absolutely tired out, I am absolutely weighed down. I don't know if you were to put anything all on my plate, anything more on my plate, I think it would tip over. I, I don't know that I could manage another single thing. So into the context of these lives that we live, with these small burdens, which are huge for us, Jesus says, come to me if you're bone tired and you're weighed down, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. It's a grace that Jesus offers us. Um, I don't know how to give you rest. I can make some suggestions. You could make some, some suggestions to me. But what occurs to me is that here it's Jesus himself talking, and he's promising us that somehow or other, if we are bone-tired and weighed down, if we come to him, he will give us rest. And I don't know how that works or how that happens or when it happens, but I hear Jesus promising this, just like all of the other things that he has promised to us are true and take it to the bank. 
So if we are bone tired, if we are weighed down beyond what's reasonable, come to Jesus, he says, and I'll give you rest. And if you say, well, hmm, what kind of rest? What are the terms? How much do I have to pay for the rest? Jesus, he, he fleshes it out. He says, um, take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke um, is, is a word that more typically was used in, in the shipping industry in, in the days of Jesus. It was the thing that held uh, each of the sides of the boat together, and, and usually it would be where oarsmen would, would sit across the boat so that they can push the boat along. Or it was used of a physical yoke where you would um, yoke animals one to another. You would yoke usually a, a young, inexperienced animal to a, an experienced, older working animal. And the experienced working animal would train the younger one by virtue of the yoke being across both of their shoulders. Um, it's, it's a word that literally means balance. So yoke was the, the, the physical thing that we called a yoke. But the word that it comes from is a word that means balance. And, and that makes sense that in whether it's a boat you're trying to make sure is, is on the even keel or it's a couple of animals that the balance is proper, that one is not um, weighed out um, by, the, by the other. And Jesus says, if, if you take my yoke upon you, I'm going to give you rest. So there's something that's required of us. We're told that we have to take his yoke. We have to join up with him in, in some way or other. And so lest we're afraid about that, he says, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. I'm humble and gentle at heart. We, um, a year or so ago, changed dentists. And that, 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 that's a big ordeal for me. So we, we had a dentist in Brampton who was one of our church elders, and, and he was a lovely man, and he was very good as, as our dentist. So I kept on driving back to Brampton for dental appointments, and Annabeth would say, can we please find a dentist in Guelph? Well, I liked Neville, and, and I trusted Neville, and Neville knew my history. So we would get up, you know, six o'clock in the morning, make sure we would drive and not get traffic so I could drive back to Neville. So the block down from us on our street in Guelph um, is a sort of commercial and then residential building. On the commercial floor is a dentist. It's, it's steps from our house, right? So Annabeth said, I want to change to that dentist. I fought it for months and, and months. I want to go back to Neville. You don't want to go back to Neville because you get all uptight because we're not going to be there on time and they take your blood pressure and then they say we can't do anything for you because your blood pressure is too high. So we're going to the dentist down the block. So reluctantly, we went to the dentist. And the first visit we had, he said to me, I, I need to do a, a filling. And I'm going, oh, here we go. So he said, we can, do, we can do it today if you want. So I'm, I'm like, I'm already a nervous wreck. I, I, do, I do not do well with dentists, and there's a reason. When I was a kid growing up in Ireland, a dentist hit me to be quiet. Because that's what you do with kids in a place like Ireland. If they're bad, you hit them. Take notes, you young parents. <laughs> not to do that, right? 
So the doctor says to me, we'll fill it here. I like to do fillings without freezing. That terrified me. Seriously, he said, I like to do, but he said, I promise you, I will be gentle. And I promise you, I will not hurt you. And he did the filling, and he did not hurt me, and he was gentle. And each time we've been back, I hear him say the same thing. I, I try to be gentle. And I, and, and I believe he does, and I believe he is. I was very nervous. And I think we're all very nervous when we hear somebody say, just trust me, I will give you rest. And when Jesus says to us, you can take my yoke upon you, we're going, what is that going to mean? What is that? What commitment is that? And Jesus says, you don't need to worry. The person whose yoke you're about to take is some who is humble and gentle at heart. And you're going to find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. The balance is well distributed. So he, he, he's saying there will be not more on your plate than you're actually able to manage. I will give you strength. If you are yoked up to me, and if you are coming to me to find rest, um, as I give you uh, a burden, but it's one that's very light. The story of the woman at the well is a delightful story. And it's kind of on the, the same sort of a, a, a storybook basis that this woman is, she's got a tired life. She's, she has to be having a tired life. She, she makes her way one day out from the village to a well to get water. Um, I've been various places where the, the women make their regular, more than daily pilgrimages out from villages to wells to carry water, big jugs of water on their heads, or whatever it is. And it is just tiring work. It's very often in climates that are hot and, and forbidding. And so this woman, I'm sure, was tired out by her trek from the village out to get water. And when she gets to the well this one day, there's a man sitting at the well. Nothing unusual about that, except the man speaks. He says, could you draw me some water? And all of a sudden she goes, are you kidding me? I just walked all the way from the village. This guy, what is he sitting here waiting for a woman to serve him? She says, um, you're a Jew, aren't you? And she said, I'm a Samaritan. Why would you, a Jew, ask a Samaritan woman to draw water? And Jesus says, um, if, if you knew who it is that's talking to you, you would have asked him for water because the water that he would give you is water that would have you never be thirsty again. It would spring up in you. And she said, how, how, how are you going to get water? You don't, even have, you don't have a bucket. And when she listened to what he was saying, he said to her, um, you, you long for this water. I, I know your life. I know the longing of your life. I know the emptiness and the brokenness of your life. I have water for you. And she said, well, if you mean I would not have to come back here 
day by day by day to draw water? Let me have it then. I'd sooner not have to make the trek out here. And you say I'd never be thirsty again? Jesus says, yeah, you'd, never, you'd never be thirsty again. And they start talking. The great lessons here about us in our sort of struggle sometimes to have spiritual conversations with people. Jesus does it masterfully here. He, he draws from just the ordinary stuff of life. Like, um, we're here to well. What do you do to well? You get water. You're getting water. Could I have some water? Water's an interesting topic, isn't it? And then all of a sudden, he has gone from, let's, let's just draw water, to talking about something spiritual. It's, 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 it's a, the way he segues is brilliant. And, and then he finally gets to a point. He says, um, why, why don't you go bring your husband? And she says, I don't have a husband. And what does Jesus say? Yeah, I know. Because you've had, let's say, six, six, is that right? And the one that you're with now, he's not your husband? She goes, I think you're a prophet. Oh, yeah. This woman goes running back to the village. She says, here's a person who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? You know, she has argued with him about where the proper place for worship is and all of that. Is it on that mountain or this mountain? But now she goes back and she says, there's this guy who has said some things to me and they have stirred in me a hope. Could he be the Messiah? She was, I think, bone tired and weighed down. She was weighed down by the things that were of her own making. And she was clearly a woman who was of ill repute. The disciples come back because they were buying food and the the commentary is fascinating it says um, they saw that he was talking to a woman but they didn't ask him anything about it they didn't say like hey what are you doing they didn't dare and they what they finally said was um do, do you want some food and he said i have food that you don't know about and i love the disciples because they just look at each other and say, where do you think he got food? Right? He said, my food is to do the will of my father. And they go, oh. Duh. Ordinary stuff. Ordinary lives. But ringing true with us that we're thirsty as well. And we're burdened as well. And Jesus says, I know you're tired out. I know your weight down, so come to me, and I'll give you rest. What is rest? Somehow or other, it's the antithesis of being exhausted and weighed down, and it is being properly connected to Christ with a balance in our lives. I think there's some, there's some things we ought to do about balance. There are some things we can do about balance. There's some things we can do about rhythms in our lives and about practices in our lives. But the power of it all is that there is somebody who says, if you come to me, I will give you rest. And virtually everything that Jesus invites us to or we are invited to in the pages of the New Testament scriptures requires simple faith where we say 
You're offering this. I need it. I receive it. And then it's up to Jesus how he dispenses it. Sometimes we figure that we need to be the ones who get into the middle of that. And, and, and that's where I end up a lot of times as a pastor where I feel as though well, it's, it's my job to fix people's lives. It's my job to, to get there when I can see the needs. Um, and, you know, after many, many years, you realize that, that pastors don't have very many answers. They don't have very much help. They say things like, I can't help you at all, but I think Jesus could. And, and then they kind of leave you to go figure that out. But, but leaving you to figure that out is very, very important. Because Jesus made a promise to you that I'm just delivering to you today. That if you're bone tired and you're weighed down, Jesus says, well, come to me. Not go to the pastor. Don't, not go get counseling. Those are both fine things. Come to me, he says, and I'll give you rest.